0: I've already talked a little bit in this podcast series associated with Noble A.P.I.O., but I think it's such an important topic and something that I've been devoting so much of my time to in the past four weeks that I'd like to talk a little bit more about it and use an example associated with common language. So this idea was first proposed by Pedro Ferreira probably around 15 years ago now. I'm trying to think of the exact time It would have been proposed sometime probably in 2006, I would think. So what is that now, 13 years ago? And Pedro had various parts of the simulation identified and separated. So all really all the simulation components at the time, the weather simulation, the landscape simulation, all of these components were owned by different services. And the different services communicated, and the simulation was actually autonomous components that communicated through a shared language. And this was a relatively novel idea at the time. I didn't really understand how this could be done at the time. And because the file handling for Noble was so primitive, I'd invested most of the time in actually getting it working on a wide variety of different platforms, primarily Apple. And this whole thing was just so novel to me. But at the time, and Pedro, I think, still works at CERN. It was very much based in Pedro's experience initially getting to CERN and how I think they did things at CERN at the time. Now I've been at Netflix for seven and a half years. I'm very familiar with JSON as the kind of lingua franca of service communication. Now, historically... I had flirtations with XML, but I think JSON has won out. And it's won out for a variety of reasons, which means that now Ape has a JSON translation, an IO JSON core. It can do exactly what Pedro Ferreira first discussed about 13 years ago. Namely, the various simulation components can exist online. They can exist in services online. And the client... Well, what does the client look like in this situation? The first question is how much data is actually flowing between the server and the client here. There are a few schools of thought. If the client is purely visualization for a single node plate, then the data that's being sent is very small. It's considerably less than even an audio podcast worth of streamed audio. So the data, the actual bandwidth for this kind of communication is very serviceable. And if you look at that being the noble ape simulation, where almost all of it is done in the cloud, um, online, through servers, then it's a very different simulation. But if you take some of the processing onto the client, i.e. someone's computer, and you allow some of the manipulation to occur in real time, either where a single ape is simulated on the person's computer or maybe half a dozen apes are simulated on the person's computer. Then you have a different communication issue. You have a series of bits of information that can be uploaded at various times. Now, the noble ape simulation is cut down into minutes. Every time slice in the simulation is per simulated minute. So you can start looking at where various bits of this data should exist. And all of this comes through having a shared language, a shared means of communicating these various components. And this is the bit that remains untested, a means of parsing this language relatively quickly. Now I've written the parser and it seems to work relatively quickly, but until you have real meaningful load, it's hard to actually have a greater discussion. The other interesting part about this is that ultimately every aspect of the simulation, including the visualization, can now be rewritten independently. So depending on how I make these choices associated with how the simulation is cut, the existing code, which is written in C, which is a language which now has, I don't know what the strength of C's, you know, general interest is in in programming terms, it may be more advantageous to rewrite at least the client part of the simulation in Swift or some, you know, Java or JavaScript or something like that. I mean, you can write a client in these circumstances, in a wide variety of different languages, which means the whole barrier for entry associated with no one actually knowing how to program in C anymore is eliminated. And you have these various components that can be written in the latest, hottest languages. And, you know, the whole thing is kind of blown open in this one translation, which is just creating a shared language. So APIO for me, is a way of hopefully getting a whole bunch of new folk interested in this thing and it's an idea which has come to me over a long period of time in part through some conversation with Bob Mottram but I was already thinking about this in terms of what the life expectancy of the existing simulation is. Also for things like noble warfare it changes a lot of the way in which the sub-projects of noble ape or the other projects of noble ape the connected projects of noble ape can now function. So I think in in terms terms that are important to the longevity or at least getting more people involved breaking up the simulation in this way is incredibly important and it's something which has taken a good portion of my time for the past four weeks because I just wanted to get it right I just wanted to get it as close to perfect as possible with the view that there are some limitations I mean the JSON format that is parsed and communicated doesn't have booleans doesn't have pointers, doesn't need either of those things for what it needs to do. It just handles numbers and strings. And really, actually, more importantly, it handles objects in interesting formats. So, and arrays, obviously. But these things are. The underlying data just needs to be as compatible as needed for what the data actually contains. And I've been relatively pragmatic about that with the view that I. Maintain Noble Ape currently. Every aspect of this thing, rather than taking existing JSON library, the ability to write a JSON parser, the input, the output, get that working within the simulation. This to me was something that was of benefit, which I put the time into. So what happens in the next few weeks is that I start making decisions associated with what gets simulated where. And this is a really interesting problem. I mean, initially, I can simulate everything I want on a single laptop. The laptop can fake being a service that the client is reading from. The laptop can fake basically everything. And then, if I choose to move the code that is the service out into the cloud, then, you know, there are a wide variety of different directions that this thing could take. The things that interest me currently are associated with data flow and processing time, because I want something that's relatively snappy. I also want something that can tolerate being disconnected because if you put any of this kind of simulation into real world environments, networks ebb and flow, the nature of simulation over networks that can be disrupted is a very different problem. So there's a series of new things in here. There's a series of new ideas and new concepts that I'm having to work through in planning currently with the view that the decisions I make could potentially alienate or isolate a certain new group of users, but also developers. Because what I want is, there are magic ratios that I always talk about. For every, you know, thousand people that know about something, a hundred people will download it. For every hundred people that download it, maybe one will download the source code. For every thousand people that download the source code, you'll be lucky to get one or two contributors. So you have these kind of ratios. And the only way to get this out in any meaningful sense is to start with a small developer release and then release it into a far broader community as a means of actually capturing users that can become kind of super users that could potentially become developers or developers that are interested in working in this format. So interesting times. Part of this is also creating a documented web presence associated with this as well. I mean, to this end, I've purchased the domain name NobleAPIO. And I've also started looking at what the best means of communicating all this information is, taking the language metaphor and making it considerably more important and personal, I guess. And through this, there's a lot of background history. There's a lot of existing code that will generate documentation for the prior file format. And this has to be changed. There's a lot of bits and pieces that have historically, when I say historically, have been there for more than a decade in order to support the old way of doing things. So going forward, it's not just about removing a bunch of code. It's about replacing code with new code that does everything with the new stuff, but then, you know, maintains the way the old stuff did things. And it isn't just the raw you know, this is the format, it's also all the underlying supports, documentation, all this kind of stuff. So it's an interesting turning point and something that I wanted to record a podcast on because my hope is, you know, I have these experiences, like I went and saw Bob Mottram recently. I'd like to have other developers like Bob Mottram work on Nobelape. I'd like to reinvigorate an interest in this thing. And I think this is an important change in that light because it moves the simulation into a different space and it allows folks that have interest in a wide variety of parts of these components to then devote their time in their language of choice in order to get these things communicated.